All right. All those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys want to make your way to the front to be with your teachers, and uh, all those threes, fours, and fives, if you'd make your way to the back, Jan's back there for you, your teacher this morning. Hey, just as the kids are, are leaving, uh, on, on Friday night, my, I was with my family, uh, my son and his, his daughter, his, my son and his wife, and we were sitting around the table with uh, also Brady and, and Nicole also joined us, and, and they do something every Friday night. They, they celebrate a Sabbath on Friday night, so they do things together as a family, and they said, okay, each, each Friday night they share a, the, the high of the week and a low of the week. And Linda was the one who got to get, go first, and she, she took mine, okay? The high of our week is we got the news. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we got the news on Friday that Riley is, there's no trace of leukemia, right, Rich? The best, yeah. So, yeah. So, Riley, good job. Good job. You've been battling so hard, and so we love you. And we're, we're going to pray, we're going to pray for you, but we're also going to pray for the scriptures that we're about to get into, okay? So, so that's a light moment, the rest is going to be heavy, okay? <laughs> so we need prayer, let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you, we thank you, Lord, every day that you give to us. Uh, Lord, uh, I know the Yost family has been uh, just going through a lot of heaviness here uh, for so many months, and the battle that's been been. Uh, you know, just fought. And, and Lord, we just praise you uh, for the good news we got Friday. We just pray. We continue to pray, uh, Lord, to strengthen Riley, to, to restore uh, just her health, her strength, Lord, and that continued battle of, of what, what, what was there, Lord, to be strengthened and, and just to overcome that. God, uh, in all situations, we trust you. We trust you. We face each day, Lord, uh, with our request, and, and the, the last place it, it lay, is just to lay it in your hands. And so, Father, for those situations, we, we, we definitely are trusting you, and we praise you for the news we have today. God, lead us through your word. Uh, Peter has something for us today that we need to pay close attention to, and so, Lord, I pray that we're listening and attentive, and that your Holy Spirit is leading up here and, and that all those who are hearing are, are paying attention. Your Holy Spirit is working upon hearts and directing our lives. God, we want to hear you. We want to hear your voice. And we want to be directed uh, in, in that right direction and not be pulled away by the distractions of this world. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, last week we were in First Peter chapter 2. I'm diving right in. As I said, this, this really is uh, a text that, that we're going to have to wade through a little bit. So I'm going to keep my eye on the time. And hopefully we could get through all this this morning. But 2 Peter chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you want, might want to open to that. We've already walked through part of it. Uh, the the uh, theme of the whole chapter 2 is false teachers. I know, real exciting topic, right? Oh, let's talk about false teachers. But, but the truth is, this is significant for those of us who believe. It, it, it's significant for us to believe, or, or for, for us who, who believe, 
And, and there's a message there for each of us of the importance. Remember, in chapter 1, it was about the significance of what God has given us. He's given us salvation. He's given us everything we need is how it begins. Uh, he, he's even brought us into this partnership with Jesus uh, that we could be like him in his death and in his resurrection, right? And, and, and also, he, he, in, in that we have confidence. And, and in that message about that salvation, the message of this gospel, we can have confidence as well because the word we have is from the eyewitnesses who took it, those apostles. And, and, and those apostles have been established upon the prophets in the scriptures. And as we said last week, that the truth of the scriptures is constantly under attack. It, it was attack, matter of fact, one of Peter's points he made it was an attack or it was under attack uh, from the prophets of old you know there was there was prophets that you listened to but there was also at the same time false prophets and Peter makes the point he says man we're teaching you the truth but at the same time there's others who come along and are they're teaching a truth that is either diluted distorted or absolutely rejected so so and and Along with that, why it's important to us is because there are false teachers all around us. There's false teachers all around us. That's why this chapter 2, uh, I've held in just, just a, a real significance for us to listen to. What do we learn from this? Um, last week, it, it was about the, 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 the false teachers and kind of what they do. This week, I believe that, that Peter gets more into the content of their character. You familiar with that phrase? I think about Martin Luther King when I, when I hear the content of character. He says, you know, in his speech, it was, I, I don't want my children to be uh, judged by the, the color of their skin, but the content of their character. The false prophets, I believe that we could, we could have... I'll call them red flags or at least warnings of those who are teaching incorrectly by the content of their character. So, so throughout Peter, here's the important part. There, there are indicators, things that we should open our eyes to that, that ought to call attention to the things they're teaching because of who they are. Okay, What's their motivation? What, you know, asking ourselves, what's their motivation? Uh, uh, what is it they're, they're driving for? And, and, and then overall, what message is coming out of them? Okay. Again, like last week, one of the points I made is that, that those who are false teachers leading people astray, uh, they're headed to destruction and they're taking people with them. They're taking, even believers who have their beginnings in Jesus are led away by false teachers. That's, that's what Peter says in, in uh, the passage we went through last week. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 22. That's a lot. That's a lot. So we're going to see we, we, if, if we don't have to continue this next week. So, so bear with me. I don't want to rush it because I think it's valuable, but here we go. Um, we must steer clear of these false teachers is, is overall point that we need to be looking at. We need to be careful with them. We're, we're going to dive in. We're going to take, instead of reading the whole passage uh, at once, I want to take each point in the verses uh, that, that we're going to look at first, like verses 10 through 14, first of all. I believe the first point is being made by Peter. So let's go to uh, 
verse 10 through 14. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Now that, that sentence in itself is, is finishing up where we were last week. Uh, it, it is speaking to the, the content of, of their character that is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Where we left off last week, to point this out, one of the, the teachings overall we see within the context of, of Peter, what we find is, is that they are teaching that there is no judgment to come. Oh, Jesus isn't coming, and there is no judgment to come. No warnings. Oh, you know, there is no judgment to come. It's not going to happen. That's why Peter, if you were with us last week, we looked at those verses. He brought up examples of where God was active in judgment. He judged those angels before the flood. He judged in the flood. And, and he brought down judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, see, God acted in judgment. And if he says there's going to be a judgment, you can guarantee a judgment is coming. So that's what these false teachers are facing uh, as they, they, they're dealing with their corrupt desires and, uh, of their flesh. Here's, here's where I want to pick up and really look. Here, here's something he says in the midst of 10. He says, bold and arrogant, they are, not, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, uh, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Okay, first of all, boy, this, this needs just a, a little bit of explaining. You know, and, and the first point would be this, especially when, when Peter comes along and says, hey, they are bold and arrogant. They're bold and arrogant. I'm going to add this. They're bold and arrogant in their ignorance. And their rejection of the truth, they are bold and arrogant. Boldness is, is actually a, a very good trait. I, I believe that we look at the scriptures and say, well, Paul was bold. As a matter of fact, a lot of the apostles were bold in, in taking the gospel out. But they are bold in their arrogance. They're bold in their arrogance. Uh, you know, those who really proclaim the scriptures uh, I, I would say, even including Paul and, and, and Peter, even in their writing, humility is one of the traits I would absolutely identify. They're humble. I said, man, I could tell you about the glories and everything that God has given us, but, but I have nothing for you. I myself have nothing for you. It's all from him. What, what do I have to brag about? What do I have to boast about except for Jesus and what he's done for me? It's not me. It, it, and, it's, and if false teachers come along with arrogance. As a matter of fact, here's two areas where you see their arrogance. Okay? And, and, and probably this, this one that's found in 10 needs a lot of expla explanation. Uh, 
They speak boldly about the things they don't understand. They don't, under, they don't understand the things of the spiritual world. They don't know what's going on. We don't either. I mean, those are things that we, we could read about, uh, but we're we not going to see and behold things of angels. Or, or even, you know, what, is, what does God look like? Or was, you know, what, what's, what kind of experiences are going to be? We don't know uh, those things in our flesh, what the spiritual realm looks like. But in, 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 in that verse 10, it says, They heap abuse upon celestial beings. NIV says celestial beings. I think you get a better understanding from the ESV or the New Revised Standard Version, the English Standard Version or the New Revised Standard Version, where it says, it, it says they heap abuse upon the, the glorious ones. Uh, especially when you look at it, if you're familiar with, with that language, uh, it, it, it is doxa, which, which means glory. Uh, are you familiar with the doxology? Praise God from whom all... It's giving praise or glorifying God. That's what doxology means. And so the glorious ones. Now, who are the glorious ones that they would heap abuse, abuse upon? Uh, I, I believe it's demons. I believe it's demons. Because if you look in the next verse, it talks about that these demons or angels who are in need of God's judgment. Well, we know that uh, one time Satan was a, an angel at... And the demons with them who fell from grace or fell from uh, the righteousness and, and found condemnation. You know, so these false prophet, prophets are, are laying out abuse on, on these demons or celestial beings who are in need. Or we'll call them angels gone bad, okay? And they're in need of God's judgment. Now, that, that, that's, that's got to have some kind of boldness on these false prophets. But what, what, what's taking place is kind of reminds me maybe, maybe that picture of a cocky fighter. You know, uh, uh, one who stands on stage and begins to malign his opponent and, and, and uh, begins to uh, embarrass him and, and tries to do anything, just, just, just uh, uh, make him, you know, just try to, to shrink his opponent down with his word. And even in the, in the boxing ring, you know, he's dancing around, he's dropping his arms, and he's, he's uh, taunting uh, his opponent. He, he does, he's not aware. He has no respect of the opponent he's getting into the ring with. And, and matter of fact, I, I see these by looking up YouTube, and you look up, you know, cocky fighter humiliated, right? Have you ever seen those? Uh, I, I'm drawn to them. I don't know what it is. But anyway, I watch these guys, and they're braggadocious, and they're, they're, they're flaunting it. And then all of a sudden, the guy they get in the ring with, he lays a blow on them, and all of a sudden, they're on their back, you know, out for a nap. And, and it's just fun to watch. That's these false prophets. That's, that's these false prophets. They, they are uh, just uh, maligning those who are celestial beings in, in need of judgment or, or heading for God's judgment. And, and uh, like, like they have any power whatsoever. And they don't. They don't. Um, Peter goes on and he says in verse 12, they are like animals. They're unreasoning, unreasoning animals or, or that, you know, animals that live by instinct. They, I mean, they attack if they feel threatened. Um, they, they are... Uh, 
they're destroyed just like those animals. Matter of fact, I, I do believe the English Standard Version has a better way of interpreting that verse 12. I want to go to that, but it says, oh, here, I was going to bring it up here, sorry. Let me, let me read for you the ESV. Maybe you have that open. But 12, in verse 12, it says, uh, But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. That's the example. It's going to animals. Like animals who are out of control, who have no instincts, no thoughts, are just in, in, in attacking. That's the example. That, but then it says, blaspheming. Here, here's these, these false teachers. They blaspheme about matters of which they are ignorant. They blaspheme about the spiritual world. They have no idea. Uh, they will also be destroyed in their destruction. NIV kind of says, well, they're going to be destroyed like the animals. But what it's saying is those that they're mocking, those that they're maligning, that, that as you, they're condemning and, and speaking against them, that, you're going to, that, that they as false prophets are going to be headed for destruction just like those demons. And, and so the, the big question is this, okay, what's happening? What, what, what's happening with these false teachers that, that uh, uh, they're maligning demons. I, I want us to go back and just think about earlier in the passage, uh, again, to think about this. They are saying there is no judgment. There's no judgment? What does that mean? Okay, I have no fear of God's judgment because, hey, there is no judgment to come. That's one thing the false prophets are, are, are teaching. The next thing they're also maybe adding to it is, why should we be concerned about the devil and his demons? Yeah, I, there's, there's that one talk is, man, I am shackled and, and to, to, because of my sinfulness, and I, believe, I, I belong to the realm of this world, and, and they, are, they are part of my destruction. They're bringing me down. And instead, you know, what are they doing? They're nothing to me. Those demons, that devil, they're nothing to me. I've, I've heard some... Uh, false teachers speak about like they have some kind of power over them like they have some kind of control now the one who has control and power and we all know his name right it's Jesus Christ it's God the Father has absolute authority over demons who are you <laughs> but in, in, in that spiritual, spiritual realm you know there ought to be at least respect. Matter of fact, in the passage, it says that angels who are powerful don't even go there. They don't go to the place where they heap abuse upon those demons who are needing judgment. They don't go there. So if, if what, but yet they speak on behalf of God and bring them into judgment. Okay, so these false teachers are maligning that, that man they're bold and arrogant in that way but they're also bold and arrogant arrogant in the second way just saying they're also bold and arrogant in their sinfulness I, I, I bring that together they're bold and arrogant in their sinfulness verse 13 and 14 As a matter of fact let me read that for you again um, they're going to be paid back for the the harm that they have done their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes re uh, reveling in their pleasures while they feast 
with you. They're right there with you. Uh, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Hey, they, they, are, they are flourishing in their sinfulness, and they don't mind flaunting it. They don't mind flaunting. Again, they've said, hey, there's no judgment. Demons have nothing on us. And, and yet, so, so we begin to maybe get this idea that, okay, if they had their beginnings in Jesus, this wonderful message of grace and mercy that we've been given, that, that all of a sudden we have freedom, we have freedom from, from our sinfulness, where do they go with it? Oh, well, hey, listen, I can do whatever I want. I can, I, no longer am I caught by the chains or, or do I have to worry about judgment Ah, freedom! And they become abusers of the grace they've been given. Do we understand that? We become abusers. It's okay to, yeah, it's okay to go out and, and, and uh, have eyes full of adultery. It's okay to be greedy. It's okay to be gluttonous. And to live, you know, just flaunting your sinfulness in this world. That wasn't Peter's message in the first place. He said, make every effort to live according to the, what you've been given. Live according to what you've been given. He's, and matter of fact, how often have we seen in different books over this last year, hey, live, uh, uh, be holy. Be holy as I'm holy is one of those phrases. You know, live the righteous. Are we going to be able to? No, man, it's a, it's a lifetime pursuit for us. But it is a pursuit one thing definitely that we are not called to do is continue in our sinfulness. Do we understand that? Do, do we understand that? Well, the false teachers are saying, no, you can do whatever you want. you got freedom. And that's, that's that second boldness that they're living out that, that recklessness, that, that sinfulness in their lives. What, what Peter is speaking about here. Let me, uh, oh, th there's also that place I, I think it's important to point out in verse, um, uh, yeah, verse 14, where it says there are blots and blemishes. Well, we, we know that through Christ, all the stains are removed. The, st the stains, the blots and blemishes are removed. And, and to continue in sinfulness, all we're doing is returning to the stains, returning in those things that we'd be condemned for in judgment. That's not why Jesus died. That's not why Jesus died. He, he died so that we could be rescued from our sinfulness, not to return to our sinfulness. Second of all, uh, beginning verse 15, here's another section, another point I, I, that, we, that we could look at. Beginning verse 15, uh, let's pick it up. Oh, there. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. 
Okay, they return or they turn their backs on, on truth for worldly wealth. Again, that, that's what it says in, in, in verse uh, 15. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, I lose it when I take these glasses off. Uh, they have left the straight way and wandered off, you know, pursuing the way of Balaam. Uh, let me let me explain that for you here, just a, just for your understanding. They turn their backs on truth for worldly wealth. They following the way of Balaam, understanding Balaam. Balaam's Old Testament prophet. It was in that time of uh, matter of fact. You find the story in Numbers, the book of Numbers. Uh, the children of Israel tra- traveling through uh, the wilderness, looking forward to moving into the promised land. They're in that area of Moab, or, or actually north of Moab, and Balak, Balak, the king of that area, is, feels threatened by this great number of people, people of God in their area. So, so uh, others have tried to attack him and been wiped out. So instead, he thinks, well, I'm going to call on this prophet of God, who's well-known, Balaam, and I'm going to have him come and, and curse God's people. God's prophet cursing God's people. Problem there, right? But guess what? Balaam is so enticed by that. Matter of fact, goes before God and God says, no, don't you do it. You're not going to go. And so uh, Balak insists and sends back and, and promises him great wealth. And, and so Balaam goes back and, and I, I kind of see this. I say, oh, really, God? I can't go back? You know, it's almost like my heart wants to go, God. And so he appeals to God. God says, okay, but you could go, but you're going to speak on my behalf. And on the way, his donkey, his donkey saves his life several times. He stands before a great angel and the sword. Balaam can't see it, but guess what? The jackass can. You know, and he speaks and he warns and he says, there's a, you know, Open your eyes. And finally, Balaam's eyes are open and they see. He sees what's before him. And so the donkey is the one to, that, that, that turned Balaam. And, and again, that reminder was given. He said, listen, you will only say what I tell you to say. And he ends up blessing Israel. That whole way of Balaam is, man, I love that money. I love that wealth. I love that those riches. Matter of fact, that's what, that's what makes the world go round. Come on. And, and so Balaam was drawn to wealth. False teachers are drawn to wealth. So, so what? I have this truth, this message to give to you. And things about judgment and things about demons. And, uh, man, that doesn't always make an attractive message for people to listen to. And I want you to give your offerings. Oh, that's our objective. All right, let's just focus on God loves you. And, and, and don't worry, you're all okay. You're all okay with God. Don't you want that affirmation? You're okay with God. All of you. Well, let's just pray and thank God that we're all okay. That's not the message from the scriptures, is it? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oh man, we go through scripture and see, no, the truth is we're sinful. We're sinful and we're in need of a Savior. We absolutely need Jesus. There is no other way. And these false teachers are saying, oh no, 
They'll, they'll take the truth of the gospel and they'll, they'll bring in other heresies and, and, and make it okay. Again, removing judgment, removing you know, Jesus' return, uh, removing other things, you know, removing the things of hell. And boy, grace is about us all just being happy and, 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 and loving God and, and whatever else we could come up with that will bring the money in. You, you, you know who they are. You know, you could look up, you, you could type in certain preachers and what's their net worth? And they're millions. I, and I will be honest with you, I've been paid as a minister for a long time. And, and you know, I, I do see Jesus coming into this world. I see Jesus coming into this world. And he's the one who said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> He came out of glory, and he has no home. He, you know, and he doesn't know where his next meal is, but he's, he's taken care of, right? And, and those apostles, I, I, I think about, man, I, I don't see them moving into mansions or, you know, even if they were here today, I don't see them purchasing jet airplanes and, and, and actually flaunting their wealth in front of everybody. Guess what their message is? Their, their gospel message is really that health and wealth. If you're right with Jesus, you're going to be healthy and wealthy. I'm sorry, that's not the passage. That, I mean, that's not what scripture, that's not why Jesus came and died for us. I, I believe it's so much more than, than anything this world has to offer. It is so much more. It is forgiveness and it is being right in a relationship with God absolutely right in the relationship we have with God. Uh, the message that the uh, false prophets have for you is empty. It's empty of the truth. In verse 17, verse 17 it says, these people are springs without water and mist driven by the storm, by a storm. You know what? Refreshing water. You go to the stream and you kneel down, and you're going to, oh, you know what, oh, sorry, this is, this is terrible. I'm drinking in front of you. You might be thirsty, and that's like the worst thing in the world. So, so while you're not enjoying, excuse me. Oh, that's so good. You come to the spring, and the water, and, and there's no water there. You came to be refreshed, and there's nothing there. And, and, and the mist, uh, you know what a cooling mist, I, if, you're, if you're outside working hard and, man, all of a sudden the clouds come and it's not a rain, but it, it is that, that mist that, that falls and it's just cooling, refreshing. But it, this is, it is a mist driven by the storm. It's, it, it's non-existent when there's a storm and the wind is blowing. There's no mist. There's nothing refreshing. There, when, when, when they speak, there is no truth a part of it. Let me tell you what, truth is what's refreshing. The truth is what's refreshing. The truth of the gospel. And, and, and knowing even the difficult parts of that, because I want to know it all. Because someday I will be standing before God. Did I have a correct understanding of Jesus and how I ought to live my life? Do I know that, man, I'm called to living what I've been giving? Uh, that I'm to live his righteousness. I, I'm to live that holiness. That, that's my life in this world today. That's my life in this world today. That's what I'm called to. But, but these false teachers, they have emptiness because they, 
most of the time, they're just wanting to tell you what you want to hear. They, they, they want to make the message easy. And so they, they line it up with maybe our culture. And so, oh, there's some things that, that the world looks at. and Oh, man, isn't that wrong? No, no, no. It's okay. Come on. And, and, and you could be active in that sinfulness. You could be active in that, uh, you know, that part of God never created you for that. We got to be careful who we're listening to. We really got to be careful who we're listening to. Um, we need to teach the truth. And here's, here's one reason why. In verse 18, it speaks about those who are new converts. Listen to what 18 says. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Those, those of you who are new to the faith, and, and those of us who've been you know, believers and have been growing and maturing, the, the ones most susceptible, uh, the, 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 the greatest danger is for those who just came to know Jesus. It's especially for those who you haven't known the scriptures. You're just coming to know the scriptures. And then someone else comes along and, and, and begins to bring their distorted views of the scriptures. That, that it would be really easy because part of that is I could draw you back into your sinful lust. I could, I could bring you back to those appetites that had you, you know, running circles around trying to fulfill all the time. I could get you back into that. Matter of fact, in, in, in chapter 1 where I said he, he revealed that salvation, God's given us everything. He's made it possible to, uh, this is part of verse 4, uh, he's made it possible to escape the corruption in the world uh, caused by evil desires. Jesus has made that possible. God's made that possible through Jesus for us to escape the evil desires. But the false teachers come along and, and open up the door and try to entangle those, again, back into their sinfulness. Man, that's a real problem. So as a church, what, what do we ought to do? What should we do? I, I think the, the greatest pursuit for the church is, I want you to know his word. Man, I, I want you to grow in his word. I want you to understand the books, and, and I want you to know this gospel message inside and out. That any time someone comes along and tries to, 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 you know, dilute it, distort it, you're saying, oh man, at least to the place of saying, I have questions about this. I, I have questions about this. I, I want to know the truth. And so it, it gives us opportunity to maybe look closer at what they're saying. I want you to check me out. I, 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 don't, I, I want you to be a people that, that man, you, you, the word is open and you're reading. And that you could say, no, wait a minute. What, is that aligned with what this is saying? I, I don't quite see that. I think we ought to be in that place that we're challenging each other when it comes to his word. Now, it's, it's not just about, okay, the false teachers are out there. They're all out there. They could be closer to home. Does that trouble you? <laughs> yeah. We, we need to be careful. Finally, here, oh, wow. 
Okay, I think I could get through this. Uh, let me, let's just read 20 through 22. Here's, here it comes up to the last part. Matter of fact, I'll, let me start with 19 just to make this point. They promise, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. So they return to, to, to that sinfulness. Man, to sinful, sinfulness, they're, they're entrapped again. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. They've turned their backs upon the truth. They've been led astray from the truth or they are the ones who are leading astray from the truth. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Here's, here's what I thought about this morning. I can't imagine entering into eternity that the worst day has to be the day that, that, I, that, that, that judgment, that condemning judgment is brought upon me. That the worst part would be, I once knew the truth. I knew the truth. I had the truth. And because of because of my lust, because of my appetites, I continue to want to satisfy those. And I, so I turn my, my back on the truth. Does that make sense? That, that it will be worse for those who at one time knew Jesus, knew the means of salvation, knew how to escape this, this, this corrupt world, and, and, and failed to hold on to it. Oh, man. Can I tell you, this passage scares me. I think that's why Peter wrote it down. I think that's why Peter, along with, i got to record these words of the gospel, has to say, listen, there are people who are false, and they're going to distort what I'm telling you. Be careful. Be aware. There's red flags all, all, all around here. Can, can you identify them with me? Uh, uh, red flags. Anybody who is arrogant, arrogant, uh, a preacher who's arrogant, I mean, it might be just a red flag. That, that they lack humility. I believe anybody who understands the relationship they have with God, there's, there absolutely ought to be a humility within them. I mean, they ought to be able to stand like I am today and say, I am a sinner, and the only reason I'm looking forward to heaven is because of Jesus. That, that's it. That's that bottom line. They're arrogant in, in the way they speak about things they don't understand, slandering things, uh, even, even divine things or things that go beyond their vision and, and, and ability to touch or see or hear. Uh, also, they're, they're uh, very, um, they're arrogant also in the way they live, flaunting their sinfulness. Oh, yeah. Remember, you know, hey, don't worry about judgment. Don't worry. That's not going to happen. Yo, God loves us. Look at the scriptures. It's about Jesus, and he loves us all. And, and uh, he's freed us from sin. Therefore, just go and indulge in everything the world has to offer. That's a lie. That's absolutely a lie. Don't buy into that. 
Don't buy into that. Another red flag would be, you know, those who are making great wealth. Those who are living in their mansions and, and even would be bragging to the point of saying, Hey, listen, you know, this is God's blessings. This is God's blessings. Now, be careful. My Savior, uh, Jesus, who came into this world, man, lived an impoverished life, a humble life. And I believe that any minister who's worth anything ought to reflect as best they can that life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Another red flag, it would be just this. Their message is empty. It's empty. There's no truth. And, and, and this is why I want you to read it. I want you to know it. That when you hear this distorted version, you're at least saying, wait a minute, I want to read that again. Because the foundation that Peter laid for us in, in chapter 1 is the foundation that you have to stand upon. That's where my confidence is. I'm going to trust what, what, what Jesus said about uh, his coming. I want to trust what Peter shares and what Paul shares about that gospel message because that's my salvation. Hey, listen, there's a lot of messages in this world. It's all around us, and it distorts the truth. Man, there's a liar, and he wants it to be distorted. And there are people who are pursuing the things of this world, and they want to combine them together, bring them together, and... And it is, it is a, a means of, of turning our backs upon the salvation we've been given. Oh, I, I encourage you, read through chapter uh, 2 again to yourselves. Maybe an assignment would be good, right? Please take some time to look for those red flags. What, what is so important for us to, to be looking for? And, and, and uh, finding in these individuals who would be ready to take the truth, such a precious truth, and distort it and lead so many away into destruction. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We praise you for the scriptures that, that's laid out before us. Uh, Father, this, uh, this passage is weighty. Uh, Lord, there is a place of warning that, that uh, definitely the, the truth that we have is being maligned. It's being distorted. Uh, help us, Lord, to discern well. Father, it, it is reason for us to, to study. It's a reason for us to, to gain knowledge concerning your word. Uh, to be around those who, who are going to be honoring of it. Uh, to build and, and, and be strengthened, Lord, through uh, through your word, through your spirit, and, and through others who are handling it correctly. Lead us, guide us, Lord, and strengthen us as your church. Father, I'm looking forward to the day that we stand before you and that all that we know of today, that we embrace today, is going to be enfolded before us, your judgment, that hard part, and, and yet standing there with Jesus, uh, claiming his own. Uh, who, who, whose blood has, has covered us, Lord. We praise you for the message that we have, and we pray, Lord, to strengthen it within us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.